Mmm, is that sausage? Yeah, that's sausage. Hang on. And bacon. Bacon, too. Man, I'd love me some bacon. Wait a minute. That's not coming from our kitchen. That's that's from Jeezy's owner's house three blocks away. <sighs> Imagine if, like a beagle, mm, let's call him Jim, you had a special superpower. One that could help you smell your best friend in the next room, even if you couldn't see them. Or one where you could sniff out where your partner squirreled away your favourite chocolate in the house. Awesome, right? Well, welcome to the world of a dog's nose. Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. And welcome to Dog Edition, where voices from around the world consider all things dog. So if you love dogs as much as we do, and you recognize Jim the Beagle, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk, because we've got a lot to talk about. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? Jim, we're about to dig deep and sniff out the story behind why your dog's nose is a superpower. <laughs> Going in there early with the puns, Carol. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was a bit on the nose. I'll try to reel them in. <laughs> Seriously, though, as a mere human being, it is hard sometimes to get your head around just how powerful a dog's sense of smell really is. Mm. So let's put it in perspective and run some numbers. First thing to know is dogs have up to 300 million olfactory receptors in their noses compared to about 6 million in us. And the part of a dog's brain that is devoted to analyzing smells, why that is about 40 times greater than ours. Here's the part though that blew my mind. Their sense of smell is so sensitive it's powerful enough to detect substances that are at concentrations of one part per trillion. Or as dog cognition researcher Professor Alexandra Horowitz explains, a dog could detect a teaspoon of sugar in a million gallons of water. What? That's two Olympic-sized swimming pools. Just think about that for a minute. Now, I'm just thinking about all the weird stuff <laughs> that dogs smell every day. So let's head to some dog parks around the world to find out where your dog likes to stick its nose. Well, I used to be a, a baseball player back in the day, and he loves smelling my catcher's mitt. Stitch is always in my feet, but I don't think my feet smell. Um, he loves my feet. Oh yeah, he loves to sniff my pillow, so every time he would come snuggle with me and be sniffing my pillow all day. Uh, probably each other's poop. <laughs> <laughs> and now, I have had some dogs, I will not tell you their names right now, but dogs who really like to sniff, um, let's say, some panties. And they're not my panties, but they really enjoyed that aroma. And they would get me into trouble a few times. <laughs> what about you? Well, funny you say that. Um, I have a certain dog who is definitely a crotch man. I don't know any dog that's probably not, but yeah. I, I guess this is probably one of the 
pleasures of being a dog and having all of those olfactory senses. Yeah, and apparently it's sort of okay to do that kind of thing because you're a dog. But with such a curious list of favourite smells, it makes perfect sense, I guess, that they should be enlisted to sniff out all sorts of things. And we spoke to one man who knows all about that. It's just all about what odour that you want to introduce uh, the dog to. That is Frank Romano. He is known affectionately as the dog father, thanks to his New Jersey accent. Frank has spent the last 33 years as a specialist dog trainer, first in the military and then with the California State Police, and now in his business, Golden Gate Canine where he trains the next generation of detector dogs. A lot of the dogs that I'm dealing with are doing explosive detection, narcotic detection, electronic storage device detection, and gun detection. But the power of the dog's nose extends far beyond those roles. There's other dogs out there too, like there's truffle sniffing dogs, there's bed bug sniffing dogs, there's arson accelerant dogs that detect where a point of origin in a fire may be. They're out there doing things. They're sniffing for cancer. They got COVID sniffing dogs now too. Actually, I met some of the COVID sniffing dogs here in Adelaide. I watched one of the trainers put Stan the Labrador through his paces in sniffing out the deadly coronavirus. So what we've got is we've got two people here that we've planted our training odour on. All right, so we've got our first dog. This is Stanny Boy. Yes! Nice work, Stanny! Good boy! So that was a nice, nice, clean uh, condition response, and that's what we're looking for. We don't want the dogs to be active around the people. Let's go back to something that Frank Romano said about electronic storage device detection dogs, because he's sure that this is where dogs' noses are going to be increasingly valuable to us humans in the future. Hmm. The electronic storage device detection dogs, anything that stores memory, the dog will find. Wow. So they can literally sniff out a micro SIM card. Mm. That's pretty amazing. In fact, Frank says they've been incredibly helpful in tracking down some heinous crimes. But what these dogs do, because I have one with uh, ICAC, which is the Internet Crimes Against Children. So a lot of child pornography is stored on these micro SIM cards and stuff like that. So these dogs are used to help find the evidence on these devices for crimes against children. But now it's getting even bigger. Like in Silicon Valley, they have them because they could be used against industrial espionage, okay, or people trying to steal trade secrets and stuff like that. So I think it's an up-and-coming rock star for a dog. I love that, the up-and-coming rock star for a dog. And really, this is just the latest use for a detection dog because... This has been going since English bloodhounds were used while searching for Jack the Ripper in 1888. Mm. And that was around that time when dogs were allowed to travel with police on patrol. Well, I would have expected that this use of dogs as sort of police dogs, or at least some sort of, you know, detective, would have gone way back earlier than than Jack the Ripper. I mean, they've been with us for a long time, and police have been with us for a long time. Really? I am surprised. I thought that that was, you know, a fair while ago. We're talking, you know, the 1800s. There you go. <laughs> well, in the, in the scheme of human events, that's just a blip. But uh, And considering dogs have been with us for a long time, but... Finally, the the men in blue have harnessed the power of dogs, and they started it in, at least as far as we can tell, 1888. And so when then would would it have been formalized? When did it sort of become a thing that was used all the time? 
Well, 11 years after 1888, um, just before the turn of the century in Belgium, police formally started training dogs for police work. Ah, so dogs have been used for, what, more than 120 years to detect all kinds of nasties. Good math. The dogs are out there to help in communities and society to keep them safe. That's the real thing that's important. That, I mean, it's about safety, public safety. It all comes down to the powerful receptors that are a dog's superpower to keep us safe in ways that we can't even imagine. The sense of smell that a dog has is significantly, you know, to the the order of thousands of times better than a person. That's Dr. Ryan Lehrer. He's a veterinarian in Kingston, Ontario in Canada. And like us, he's a self-confessed dog lover. And he helped explain how a dog's sense of smell helps them find a mate, locate their puppies, locate food, and avoid predators. The surface area of their noses is significantly larger than a person. The internal area, so the small receptors that receive all of the smells. In addition to the vomeronasal organ, or Jacobson's organ, which is a small little bump on the inside of the mouth that also helps to take in those smells and provide additional information to the dog. Jacobson's organ, huh? Okay, Jim, Mm -hmm. do you have a special connection to dog noses that I don't know about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, years ago when I was really getting into dogs, I learned about Jacobson's organ. And since then, I have uh, won a few bets and a few bars about uh, the fact that I was, at least my namesake, was uh, responsible for why dogs (laughs) smell have that superpower. Um, but seriously, Jacobson's organ truly is remarkable. Boom, boom, boom. Anyway, that is because it doesn't pick up any ordinary odors. It is designed specifically for chemical communication. So the dog can sniff out substances that are pretty much undetectable and at a distance, things like pheromones. You know, a male dog is going to be able to smell a female dog in heat several blocks, if not, you know, a mile away. So the the range that they can smell is obviously, you know, much larger. uh, And it can be affected by things such as the wind. It's hard to really understand how dogs see the world, not through their eyes, but through their noses. But here's an analogy that James Walker, who was the former director of the Sensory Research Institute at Florida State University, provided. And I think it does a great job of putting things in context. He says that if you analogize smell to vision, you and I see things that are maybe a third of a mile away, and a dog can see things that are 3,000 miles away and still see it with effectively 20-20 vision. Pretty cool. That is very cool. And next, we'll put ourselves in the paws of a dog to smell the world through a dog's nose. Mm, stick around. <laughs> and now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. 
My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. <laughs> no matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. It just makes me feel good. In this life, and the next, and the next, and the next, I am so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Okay, so instead of putting ourselves in dog shoes, let's put ourselves in dog's paws. And with Dr. Ryan Lehrer's help, picture what it would be like to have a dog's super nose for a day. I'm on my morning walk and I meet another dog and we both have a good old sniff of one another. What's that about? It's equivalent to people shaking hands uh, and saying hello and, you know, a general introduction. Nice. And what am I learning from all that sniffing? Essentially, they're getting a lot of information from that smell, such as where they've been, what they've eaten, and in some cases, if there's you know some underlying health issues. Interesting. So sniffing is part of how we communicate. Okay, I keep walking and there are smells everywhere. Mmm, a barbecue just over that fresh-cut grass in the next street. Mm. Where's that rotten rubbish coming Ooh, from? flowers. That's a bit much. I've got all these smells coming at me at once, so why isn't it overwhelming? And how do I pinpoint just one smell? In an area where they're new to, they may pick up on something new and choose to focus on that. And they're kind of choosing to ignore those familiar types of smells. You know, if you think about it kind of like, say, peripheral vision when we're driving or something, you know, you're looking ahead at the road, you're looking all around, the radio may be on, but you're, you might be ignoring it. Somebody might be right next to you at a red light and you're looking around, but, you know, you're not going to sit and stare at them or something. But if there's something happening on the corner opposite you, say one of those people twirling the sign, it catches your attention. It's new. It's not there all the time. The same could be said for smells is that uh, familiarity is, in most cases, going to be a sense of comforting. Uh, and they may choose to be either more curious or if they sense danger, you know, heightened sense of awareness if there's a, an unfamiliar smell. And it is this incredible ability that brings us back to why dogs make such a great detector of everything from explosives to drugs to diseases. There's a, a lot of benefit to fostering that relationship and research that can go into building on that, that we can work together with our canine friends to, you know, make the world a better place. We have covered a lot of amazing things that dogs can do with their sense of smell, but I've got some other cool nose facts, too. I'm all ears. Mm, I set you up for that. <laughs> First, did you know that dogs can smell separately with each nostril, left, right, left, right, left, what? right. What? No, that's very cool mm -hmm. and uh, actually very weird. So what, <laughs> chocolate in one nostril, strawberry in the other? 
Yes. Why not? Secondly, their noses are designed so the air can move in and out at the same time when they sniff. Unlike humans, where we breathe in or out. No, I'm actually trying to do that. That's actually impossible. (laughs) And it's actually impossible to imagine. Not for a dog. That's how they breathe. And there is more. A dog's nose can sort of effectively separate the air so that some of the air goes straight to the sense of smell receptors. And some of the other air is used for, you know, respiration and breathing. Stop it. This is so complex. It is. And that is why a dog's brain, which is only about one-tenth the size of our brain is so interesting because the part that controls smell is 40 times larger than the part in our brains that is responsible for the detection of smells. Wow. Right. That makes sense. They just have a bigger brain when it comes to things that matter, like smell. I do have a question, though. Our dogs get to simply enjoy smelling anything and everything on their morning walks because That's basically how they've evolved. But what about those sniffer dogs with extra responsibilities of keeping us safe, those police dogs, those bomb detection dogs? Once they're finished their working lives, can can they stop sniffing at those really high levels when they retire? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. I'm sure every dog is different. And what happens to retired service dogs? Well, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) But as for detection dog trainer Frank Romano's former sniffer dogs, are they putting their paws up and switching off their noses? Let's ask him. When my dog retired, even Rex, who had cancer, so he got forced retired. And I had a patrol car and he heard that car or that garage door go up because he was used to going work. He knew you know, he would be going nuts in his kennels because he wants to go too, okay? Same thing with Mr. Bex. He would want to go to work all the time, always following me. I mean, these dogs are bred to work. They're not into retiring or lounging around the house. Now, some dogs transition real nicely into it too. It's just like people. I don't know about you, Jim, but safe to say my Harvey is permanently retired and that was before he even started working. Yeah, Kinga kind of has always enjoyed the retired life herself. Uh, (laughs) I think uh, she really enjoys just hanging around the house, figuring out what dad is doing with that microphone and and enjoying herself. Of course, she wants to spend more time outside smelling things. We have explored the science of the dog's nose and how it makes the world a safer place. But, you know, that's not its only superpower. It's not? Aesthetically, a dog's nose is one of the most simple Mm -hmm. and divine parts of a pooch, in my opinion. Ah, yes, it is. I agree with you. And especially up close. So to wrap up our show today, I want to leave you with one of the best Instagram accounts that I have seen in a long while. No, I'm going to say the best Instagram account other than ours (laughs) that I have seen in a long time. It is called Boop My Nose. Boop my nose. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you describe it? I haven't seen this one. (laughs) Every post is a neatly framed close-up of a dog's nose. They are shot as if you were looking straight into a dog's eyes. And if you scroll through them, you'll see one that is surrounded by all these little jimmies. Why are you putting a jimmy on a what? Huh? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) A a jimmy, those things you you sprinkle on ice cream. A jimmy. Oh, hundreds and thousands. A what? That's what we call them, hundreds and thousands. Uh, hundreds and thousands, yes, Australians. Makes okay. sense, right? Because there's hundreds and thousands of them. 
Anyway. <laughs> okay. Jimmy's, hundreds of thousands. You'll, anyway, you'll see dogs' noses with things like, you know, the things that top ice cream sundaes and, and buttons. And there are some toothy grins or tongues out. Uh, some of the dogs have a sleepy face with a simple flower on top. They're extraordinary. Oh, Devon is right. That sounds like something I need in my life, without a doubt. And considering that Boop, the Instagram feed, has almost a million people following them, we are not alone in that. It's pretty cool. And we're going to put a link in the show notes to that Instagram account because you have to check it out. And that is our episode for today. Before you go off to that Instagram feed, stick around because here is what we are working on for the next edition of Dog Edition. When your dog ends up being treated like a piece of furniture. It's like your whole life changes. Everything gets thrown upside down. Then there's this question of, oh gosh, who's going to keep the dog? And that, that is my job. That's where I come in to help. Who gets the dog if we split? That's on the next episode of Dog Edition. And if you're looking for something else to listen to on your next dog walk between now and then, please check out my conversation show. It's called The Long Leash. You can find details at longleashshow.com. Definitely one to tune into. And please follow Dog Edition wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And uh, some stars would be great. The more, the better. (laughs) And we would love it if you helped spread the word about Dog Edition. So if you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend about this show. It really helps us grow the podcast. Until next time, I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. And I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.